Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to um, our five-year anniversary. So good to be here. I'm so glad. I have to raise this up because I'm kind of tall, so they didn't do it. Uh, all right, whatever. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so good to see you all. Thank you for joining us. Um, I can't believe it's been five years. I was thinking about it the other day. It just felt like time. Oh, thanks. Just went by so fast. Um, I mean, part of it, too, is like two and a half years we lived in the pandemic, and that was just like a blip in time, right? Um, but I think we still, even as a church, have so much to be grateful for. You, everyone here, even uh, your families, and despite all that has happened, the ups and downs of the last two and, a, two and a half years, we have so much to be grateful for. We have a lot to be thankful for, to be joyful for. So I pray that today, even as we continue to celebrate outside, that we will celebrate well uh, and enjoy our time together. I think Jason has some pictures to show, just looking back how we first started in a small theater, black, black box theater, it was 10 15, of, 10, 15 of us in a small black box theater here in Jersey City. And then in the school, actually we used to meet in the school right across the street. Um, and I think that was probably a Christmas Eve service. This was during the pandemic when we were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And that was at my place. We were recording services. That was, uh, that was pretty cool. That's Jason's studio, <laughs> our worship leader. That's where he, he would record his stuff. And I don't know where that is. I think, oh, I think we did like a Christmas recording thing over the pandemic. Um, yep. This is Fountain of Salvation. We did, we did Easter 2020, I believe, or 2021 recording. This was at um, some space, some theater. <laughs> I, I can't keep, but can you believe how many places we had to go to just to like, you know, run away from COVID or just to record a service? And I don't know where that, uh, Barrow Mansion. Oh my goodness. I, I'm actually pretty shocked about this. St. Matthew's, um, and then I think this is here. We're here. We've been here. Thank God for that. Thank God. That's, God has been so good to us. Um, again, despite the ups and downs, despite the franticness, I remember, I think this is when we were at some theater, and we, were, we had to break down every day, take out all this stuff and put it in the truck and then drive it to a storage room every Sunday. And then I remember the last Sunday, I was like, guys, this is the last time we're doing this. I, I, I can't do this. This is just too much. But the next Sunday, we were able to find a space that we can actually store our stuff in the, you know, in the church. So we were grateful for that. But I, it was, I was just about to cancel services. We're going, we're going to record. That's it. No more of this hard labor. Um, but anyway, I think that's just an, an example of how God has saw, seen us through this um, season. And I'm sure that's true for you as well. Um, um, one of the exercises that I've done, and I hope we can all do that, is even over the last two and a half years, it, this was, I, I keep talking about it, but it was, it was a huge moment in our lives. And we can actually just journal, like, what, 
what are the things that have just brought so much desolation? What are the things that were so hard to go through? And then what are the, where, where were the consolation? Where was God at work? Where did you see God at work? And even as we do an exercise like that, we're able to actually count our blessings and see it right in front of us. And today, even with this sermon, I hope as I um, preach that this would be something that would stir you up towards finding hope, finding love, and spreading that hope and love in your lives, in your jobs, in your community, in your neighborhoods, in your small groups. Today I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 to 19. So if you have your Bible, you can read with me. Deuteronomy 10. This is what it says. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and then to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts. And therefore do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. That's the reading of the word. The question in the beginning of the, um, one of the questions that we see in this text is, well, what does the Lord require of you? I think in many Christian circles, um, we assume that we know what that answer is. We assume that we figured it out. That the Lord requires me to show up on Sundays at church. That the Lord requires of me to follow all his rules and decrees and commands. That the Lord requires of me to do this and to do that. And sometimes in all of the things we think the Lord is requiring of us, we get confused. We get disillusioned. We just leave, leave it all behind and just do our own thing. But it's really, really very simple. The Lord requires our love, our service, our obedience. If you read this text outside of like the immediate context, you can see, you can read into this passage and think like, wow, God is asking way too much than I can give. God is demanding 
God wants too much, and I don't think I can give it. But the requirements that God is giving here is not as a result of trying to um, show that you are his servants and his slaves and nobodies. What it is here is that what we find here, what the Lord requires is far more beautiful and far more surprising, I think. What you see here really is this love and affection for his people. Meaning, our obedience to God is only feasible, feasible, not feasible, feasible as our awareness of his love. We can't obey God if we're not aware of how much he loves us. It is his love that propels us, that motivates us to action, to service, to obedience. But far more, uh, one of the things we often do so often is we run to the obedience, to the service, to the decrees, to the commands. And that's not where we're supposed to go. It's his love that gives us the motivation to actually obey him. Um, another way to think of it is sometimes when you receive a gift, uh, I, I remember feeling this when we got gifts for um, our baby. You know, we had a baby shower, we had so many gifts. And it was so hard to actually keep a record of who gave us those gifts. And it's just like, I don't know who did. I don't know who gave us this gift. I can't actually tell them that thank you, that I am grateful for that, right? But that's what I wanted to do. Their, their love for me, their concern for me actually made me want to tell them how much we are grateful for but unfortunately, I couldn't do that to everybody because it was just too much. <laughs> um, that's just a weird joke. It's not. I thought it was funny, but it's not funny. Um, <laughs> it's funny to me. Uh, uh, but my point is, is whenever we receive love, right, we reciprocate that love. We give it back. Whenever Caitlin comes home, and the bed is made the way she likes it, not the way I like it. She's, she's excited. She's grateful for that because I did the work. I, I served her. I made her um, happy and grateful for what I did. But whenever we go, again, to service, to action, without actually being motivated by his love, then it becomes a duty. It becomes work becomes labor. But it propel, love propels us to action. And here's what it does. And I think the text tells us when we are propelled by love, it motivates us to connect to God. It motivates us to connect inward. And it motivates us to connect outward. So three, three points. It motivates us to connect upwards, 
inward and outward. Whenever we receive his love, we want to connect to God. I saw this um, quote by the Archbishop of Canterbury, and he said, um, it, it is not the how of Christ that we are to pursue. It's the who. Meaning, we pursue the person, not the, pretty much the same thing I just said, not the things that we think we're supposed to do. Oh, Christ said this, Christ said this, Christ said this. No, it's the person of Christ that we pursue. Right? We, uh, and even in this passage, it talked about how uh, the, it, it gives a picture of the, the, the glory of God. Right, the uses reverential language to kind of describe who God is. He's the God of gods, the Lord of lords. He is of the highest of heavens. And this is the person that we actually get to connect with. Someone who is far above us. We have the privilege of connecting with this person. Not with the how, but this person. God who deserves our praise and affection, who deserves as our worship, one of the reasons why we come here every Sunday is because we believe he deserves that love. We believe he deserves our affection. And we come here every Sunday to worship him because we know he deserves it. But we don't come here again out of duty, but we come here out of love. And I know for some of us, you might be in a season where coming on a Sunday feels like a duty. Being part of a small group feels like a duty. Before, I think I've, I mentioned this so many times, before I went on sabbatical, even preaching here felt like a duty. I felt like I was just doing what I had to do. Because we go through seasons where, you know, the dark night of the soul, where we feel empty. God's love is no longer present as it seems. But God wants to fill us with his love. He wants us to know. He loves us. He cares for us. And in knowing so, we can connect with him deeply. We can have a relationship with him. So I'm thankful for even people in our church, people like Kristen who's leading our prayer ministry and helping people to connect with God. Leading people to prayer walks, helping people to connect and believe and trust God. For our whole group leaders who are leading teams and groups to help people to connect to each other and to connect to God. For Jason who leads worship every Sunday and doesn't take vacation most of the time. <laughs> helping us to connect to God through worship even through creating a space where we can be together and be with God. When we encounter God, when we encounter his love, the inevitable response is to worship, is to connect with him. Two, our response also is to connect inward. In the text here, it says in verse 16, circumcise your hearts, right? Look, look deeply. 
I like what um, one of my favorite um, texts, Psalm 139, David says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. David writes this knowing that he can't even hide from God. As much as he might try to, as much as we might try to as well, that we can't hide our anxious thoughts, our sadness, our frustrations, our anger. We can't hide it from him. It's there. And when we go inward, when we ask our questions, when we ask the questions that actually pierces our souls and our hearts, that makes us more aware of what I am feeling, what I'm going through, what we are essentially doing is making it available to God. Search me, know me, see me as you already do. But in that prayer, we're not even, it's not even for God to know. It's for you to know. It's for you to be aware. One of the things that I think I was praying for even during the sabbatical was, God, help me to be aware of how, how I'm not loving to Caitlin, my wife. Help me know. And I'm serious. This is, uh, this is dead serious. I'm not even just joking. Like, ser- help me to know how I'm not being loving. And one of the things that I realized, too, is that in the pace that we often live, especially in Jersey City, New York City, we don't have time to actually be to see what's going on in our hearts, to know the things that are um, uh, upsetting or wrong to our partners, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our spouse, because we, we just don't have time. And so in order for us to be reflective, to be self-aware, it requires a life that is slow, that is intentional, that honestly, even sometimes just journaling and finding space. One of the things, even as I think about that and I'm just dreaming about, is how can we find, how can we create the contemplative spirituality that we need in an urban space? How can we be people that are self-aware, that are connected to God in this fast-paced world? All right, I'm going to switch the mics because it's, it's kind of bothering me. Bougie. That's Craig. I'm Bougie. <laughs> okay, that's better. Um, yeah, how can we be people in this urban environment that are actually reflective, aware of our inner struggles, of our inner brokenness? How can we be aware of the anxious thoughts in our minds, in our hearts? Again, scripture in our text, it says, circumcise your hearts in verse 16. Right? There's a precision there. There's a cutting there. For us to be aware, to see and know. Also, another way we connect inward 
it's not just by even being self-reflective. It's actually by being in community. Because so often community can be the mirrors that you need to show you how you are. Right? We are mirrors to show each other. This is, hey, Craig, this is really who you are. <laughs> Being in a renewal community, in, a, in an honest, vulnerable community. A community that has been transformed by God. A Christ-centered community. Not just any community. Not, again, you, we can be part of so many different groups, communities, and they're all helpful, they're all great, but being part of a Christ-centered community helps us point to the person of Christ. Gives us the tools that we need to see and walk in the way of Christ. In order to go inward, we need a community to hold up the mirror to shine a light and to show you something about yourself that you will not see otherwise. Even for me, like being part of a small group, I remember even the last, the last season, listening to the stories, listening to the struggles, listening to the celebrations and to the, the ups and downs of life, just the normal rhythm of life. And being in that group, and seeing how Christ is still at work in, that, in, in, in each other's lives, it brings us hope. It makes me excited to live. Or oh, even when I'm going through my own mess and I'm on the verge of tears and I share that <laughs> with my group. And they can hear me and they can listen and can be praying for me, be, be there for me. We need that community to serve us, to be with us, to guide us, to help us circumcise our hearts. And then lastly, we connect outward. When we are propelled by God's love, we can't keep that to ourselves. We can't keep that to our immediate communities. We want that to spread. Verse 18, this is what it writes. The, the writer says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. Loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. He's telling the people of Israel, one, do not forget those um, in, around your city, in your community, those who are fatherless, who are without food or clothing, and to actually remember where you came from as well. Remember that you were foreigners as well. Everyone in this room in one way or another, are foreigners in this country. <laughs> Whether it's your father, you, your grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather. I'm pretty sure everyone, maybe not everyone in the United States, but everyone in this room, I think, 
think, generally speaking. Right? And God, um, he invites us to remember. Remember where you're from. Remember those who are just like you, who are foreigners in this um, city. To remember those who are um, in need of food and clothing. We see a God here who defends and advocates for the poor. The tender lovingness of God. And he is, again, inviting us to this posture. Again, this posture is, I know we live in, in kind of a society, in, especially here in New York City, Jersey City, you know, we, we tend to be um, altruistic, right? It's generally speaking. And what God is inviting us here is more than just that. It's, it's something deep. It's, it's the love of a father, of a concerned father, a concerned parent. It's deep. And we can't have that if we are not truly, truly aware of how God himself loves us and cares for us. Like I said, that motivates us, that propels us to action, to live outwardly. If you notice, part of why I'm even giving this sermon is reminding you of our values as a church. That the invitation for us, one, is to receive and encounter the tangible love of Jesus. And in doing so, that enables us to connect to our values, which is to connect to Christ, to community, to compassion. Connect upwards, inwards, and outwards. That the invitation for us, even as a church, is to go deeper even in those things, in those values. It's to connect to the person of Jesus and not just the how of Jesus. Not the intellectual ascent of Jesus. The person of Jesus. A living, breeding relationship. Um, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I have a friend who's going to seminary, and um, nothing is wrong with seminary. I went to seminary, but there is something about reading thick theological books that could somehow just close your eyes to the reality of who Jesus is. Again, I'm not saying it's not helpful. Reading, you know, encyclopedias of theologies and all blah, 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 I can go on, but it... You can't just do that and not have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus. He is a person. He is an individual. And he invites us to connect with him. He invites us to connect in community. As we've been doing through our hope groups and our small groups. And we continue to invite you to be part of that. And he invites us to be compassionate to our people in our city. 
to those who are without, to care and to be concerned. The only thing, the only way that we can truly be um, connecting upwards, inwards, and outward is to really receive the love of Jesus. And I think about all that has happened in the last five years, in the small groups that we've started, in the small groups that have ended, and the, and the money that we've given to partner organizations. I think about the panels that we had on racial justice. I think about, um, uh, the, the, again, the prayer ministry Kristen started, the, the counseling center we helped start, and all the things that we have done in five years. Imagine what can happen in the next five years. My prayer for us as a church is that those who are up here, who come here to give the announcements, are not the ones who are creating ministries. That you all, that God has given something in you to create, to start groups that are beneficial to people here in the city, to our church. Compassion efforts in our city in our neighborhoods. Every one of you here have been called to ministry. Do you know that? It's not. Unfortunately, I think we can sometimes think, well, it's the vocational pastors that are supposed to do the work. Every one here has been called to be the light of Jesus wherever they are. So my hope and my prayer, even as we continue to connect with God and as we continue to connect with the community and in compassion, that you here will start ministries, start businesses, will start um, uh, organizations and, and groups that are helpful and meaningful to our people here in Jersey City. That is the next five years. And that is, even as I meet with you all over the next couple of weeks, that's going to be my question to you. What is God calling you to do? What are you passionate about? What is God moving you to do, to be part of? And even as the worship team I want, comes up, I want to remind you, God has not called us to sit in rows to sit and listen to the amazing sermon by Craig Akpala. God has called us to be a light in the darkness, to be a living vessel in your jobs, in your communities, here in Jersey City right now. So think about the ways God is calling you to that and see God at work in you, in your neighborhood, in your life, in your families. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you, uh, you call us to connect to you even more deeply, to continue to self-reflect and see and search and know the anxious thoughts in our minds, the frustrations that we might have, and to live in community that would help 
us and pray for us and be with us and support us. Thank you how you call us to connect with compassion to our city. I pray for everyone here. I pray that in our own individual lives that we, one, will be aware of your love. And that two, we will be people that live out, live out of that love you have for us. And I pray also for folks here, here with callings to um, start something, ministries, groups, whatever that might be, whatever that might look like. I pray, God, that you will continue to, to water that seed, that it would grow into something you've called it to be. Thank you. We're so grateful for your love towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's respond in worship. And let's stand as the worship team leads us in song.